of the Pixel and Roll Show, we discuss the best basketball team in Northern Hemisphere, your Washington Wizards. Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis. This podcast is going to be part two of my discussion with Slam editor Abe Swadron. We get in to further investigate on this disappointing season of the Washington Wizards, talk about whether or not John Wall is an all-star, Discuss more in detail about John Wall's sneaker situation, his falling out with Adidas, him now wearing Nikes, and kind of where where he lies into his future and the business options that John Wall has. And then everyone's favorite topic, Kevin Durant to D.C. Kind of want to see what Abe's feeling on all that and whether or not the Wiz can make the playoffs this year. So thank you once again, everyone, for your support. I got some more guests planned. Hopefully me and Kyle are going to have a mid-season report of a podcast soon if his job continually does not try to uh, waste all his time. This is part two of my discussion with Abe. Kelly Oubre, the rookie, has kind of taken some opportunity to play a lot better than many expected. Then he had Otto struggling at first, playing better at times, then getting banged up, and now he's currently hurt as well. What have you seen out of Otto uh, out of his season, and then just maybe out of Kelly Oubre, the rookie, and what kind of decisions do you think can be made in the future on those two with this team? Yeah, well, I mean, right off the bat, um, you know, it's like you said, it's it's so hard to kind of properly evaluate either of those guys or even the handful of other guys that have been that have missed time. It's just so difficult to to know what you have when these guys can't stay on the court. I mean, even from not to bring it back to Beal, but even from a you know, a, an overarching perspective. If you're looking to make, you know, big moves or or names are out there, and and you have some of these pieces, like how do you even know what you have in these guys if they can't even get on the court to to show you, you know, what kind of potential they have? Or so so I think you know that's one of the biggest challenges for the Wizards as far as those guys, you know, specifically. I, I, I'm actually not. I, I kind of like what I've seen out of Ubre. I mean, he's so so young. Um, you know, he's lost at times. Uh, I've seen him take some, some poor shots. You know, his decision making isn't necessarily fantastic yet. But, I'm, I mean, the, the sort of weird side benefit of all these injuries and the frustrating season is that, you know, at least, at least he's getting some burn. Although, I kind of wish that Whitman would, would sort of leave him in there a little longer. I mean, the other night he started the game and played like four minutes. In the first yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yes. It was like so strange. Like, uh, you know, I saw him in the lineup. I was like, all right, good. Well, at least like, get the young guy some minutes. And, and then he got absolutely no minutes. So, I mean, I mean, Gary Neal was making like two shots. Dude. You got to ride that Gary Neal train the rest of the game. <laughs> you know, you got to, got to play him 35 once he made like two oh, shots. Man. <laughs> I, I'll, I have to say, I hated Gary Neal last year. <laughs> For was with the Hornets last year. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Charlotte. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember like watching Hornets games and like cursing him as like Kemba Walker stood in the corner, wide open or whatever. 
And so the transition to trying to like him has been a difficult one. Well, we, we've, we've established we've somehow been able to like Drew Gooden, who I hated back in the day during the, the Soldier Boy Cavs, yeah. Deshaun days. I was able to forgive him. It was actually when Boogie Cousins got a fight with him. So that I was able to like, recover from him. And even, uh, I never liked Chris Humphreys my whole entire life either. So that's been an adjustment. <laughs> but yes, Gary, it's funny you mentioned Gary Neal because when we signed, the Wizards signed him. I think it was preseason. I tweeted like, "Is this dude gonna pass?" Or I, I tweeted something, and some Charlotte blogger like exactly, retweeted, exactly. and I had like four comments. And then some guy from a Gary Neal doesn't went did Gary Neal pass Twitter account <laughs> from Charlotte like contacted me. I'm like, "Oh God, is this a thing?" <laughs> I I don't think that his shot selection has been that bad. He's actually been banged up. He's been decent on making shots. Uh, it's just that the, this whole core of this team envisioned has not really been around, even though I think you're still able to kind of question some of the decision-making uh, that that Randy Whitman has made, especially on the defensive end. I mean, this team should have not fallen off, injuries aside. The, to go from elite defense to one of the worst ones in the league is still me the defining uh, item of this season so far for the Wiz. Yeah, and I mean, on that note, like, I really hope, you know, as you said, that, that these injuries – while frustrating, you know, don't sort of impact, don't give people a pass uh, in terms of, you know, their their own performance and, and specifically the coach. I mean, the, not to go larger scale on the Wizards, but, like, that's kind of always been, a, or at least in my memory, has always been a frustrating part of, of the front office and the coaching staff sort of getting a pass when, when you know, either guys are out or hurt suspended in Gilbert's case, you know, whatever. There's, I, I always, really a, hope there's that, always a scapegoat, but not, not actually exactly. a coach or anyone exactly. in the front office, right? Is that a frustrating part of right. being a fan? Yeah, man. I think it's, you know, right up there in terms of the most frustrating parts is like you see other teams, you know, make ballsy moves. And meanwhile, the Wizards are just kind of giving themselves excuses um, over and over again. So I, I hope, I hope that, you know, if the season ends in a certain manner that, that, you know, certain moves will be made to improve things for next year. Well, soon Randy Whitman will have been the coach for four calendar years. He, he took over in 2012 from Flip, you know, rest in peace, Flip, right. for an interim. And I think now in the NBA, he might be like the top five longest tenured coach. I need to actually do the math on it. Like how many, because everyone's been fired. Like some teams have fired coaches multiple times. It's just crazy that that a guy that he hasn't even been with the team for four years is now going to potentially be, is now one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA. So that kind of shows to the craziness of the NBA, but you can't say that it didn't work out for the Warriors to fire their coach though, right? And change some leadership or even, (laughs) I I know that's, I know that's an extreme example, but you know, sometimes a shakeup is good, but I don't know for what the Wizards have accomplished, you know, two postseason wins and pretty much a 500 record. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's something to really ride on forever, but time will tell on the Randy Whitman question at the end of the season. I think it will be interesting to see how much the injuries are. If John Wall doesn't get injured, I don't think he should be able to get a mulligan at all. If John Wall's healthy, that this team should be able to make the playoffs, especially a healthy John Wall and Beal. How they do in the playoffs, I think, will determine whether or not Randy Whitman is back, uh, or maybe even the front office. I mean, that's that's up to that will be kind of 
I think a decision that the ownership will make down the road, but I don't think that you can just give him a pass again uh, unless there's a John Wall injury. Totally agree. I totally agree. So, do you do you feel? I know you mentioned uh, Wall has, you know, Wall has, Wall struggled at the beginning of the season and was Player of the Month last year, and you said that John Wall hasn't really taken that MVP leap, but it's been a different John Wall that we've seen over the month and a half, and it has been frustrating that the team hasn't been able to really put some things together around him. Obviously injuries and, and different lineups have, have played a role in that. But what have you, is John Wall an all-star? I mean, aside from the voting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In, in my mind, he's absolutely an all-star. Okay. And then, and then who would you, who would you leave out? I mean, who's your all-star guards then? Ooh. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess at that point, I mean, Curry and Wade are going to start, so I guess we could just just put that out there that they're going to be the starters. Kyrie and Wade, yeah. And then um, Wall and Lowry. I think I think Lowry definitely. I guess at that point it's between. Well, I guess at that point it's kind of. Do you take Isaiah Thomas or uh, or a front court player? Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, do they go five guards? Do they go? They could. I think I, the thing is, I think Isaiah Thomas is is definitely worthy of the spot too. But I think he may end up being one of those guys that gets left off just because of, you know, he doesn't have doesn't have the big name and doesn't play for a team that necessarily quote unquote needs to have an all star. You know what I mean? Like because Kyrie um, should Kyrie should be on the team because he missed the whole season almost. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that too. Although you know, Kobe's going to be out. Or two, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have a hatred for Kobe like I do the Cavs, so it's a, a little different. Uh, true, true. Uh, why, why do you think Wall's Wall was voted in last year as an All Star starter? And I did a couple podcasts before. I went off on this for a long tangent, but I was just curious from your vantage point. He had the most votes as a guard, and now he's now he's in third place, like way behind Kyrie for second. Why do you think his drop off has been that way? Um, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if some of that has to do with sort of the, the social media push or the way that these votes are counted. Um, but I think, I mean, first and foremost, the team has been bad, right? So like it's last year, I felt like it was kind of a, one of the stories of the NBA season was how well the wizards were playing and, and led by John wall. Whereas this year, I mean, from a, national perspective i mean the wizards are pretty much an afterthought at this point um i mean that's just speaking from you know being in new york i mean nobody is asking me about the wizards at all um meanwhile you know Kyrie continues to be one of the most popular players in the league even when he's not playing um through you know his uncle drew stuff or whatever it may be he's just like one of the most marketable and most popular players in the NBA, clearly. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know how much of that is, is through the social media stuff or what have you, but I, it's not, I'm not even that surprised. That's at all to me that this is the way that the votes have stacked up. Yeah, I mean, actually, my bag, John Wall is currently in fifth place. Jimmy Butler is the other one too, Isaiah Thomas. So 
Wall, Thomas, or Jimmy Butler or Lowry, you would probably argue that one of them aren't going to make it. Right. And I would say Thomas is the odd man out, or does Wall become the odd man out? <laughs> Which I don't know. I mean, I would be, I would be really surprised if Wall did not make the All-Star team. Yeah. And I feel like he would be not happy at all about that. Yeah, I mean, even over Isaiah Thomas, who has been who has been who has been great, and Jimmy Butler's played well. And right now, Wade has seven hundred thirty thousand. Kyrie has four hundred thousand. Lowry has three hundred sixty-seven. Jimmy Butler three hundred fifty-six, and John Wall has two hundred eighty-one. And so to go from fifth to first—that's the thing I, I can't remember. I, 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 it's hard for me to explain. And I agree that the the social media, the the, the sneaker ads that he doesn't have that Kyrie has. That the team's poor plays at the beginning of the year. Another one is lack of national TV games. Last year, John Wall played on Christmas Day, dude, and just dominated New York and had that highlight yep. move. And that that was good. Everyone was at home watching Christmas. Everyone was there going, oh, my God, look at that John Wall move. He's ridiculous. Bam, get on your phone and vote, right? Or there was some exposure. And then he had the moment with with a little girl that became national news, too, Even not even a sports story. Yep. So I think that was the two things that, that helped him go – to propel himself to the lead last year, why he's dropped and he's not being able to sustain that after a good postseason has been something I guess has been frustrating me as a Wizards fan that that Rashad has argued that this is just proof that Wall hasn't made that national jump yet. And and that has been maybe just personally kind of disappointing that, you know, from my vantage point, like why not? You know? <laughs> maybe left off the yeah, USA I- team, you know? That has a role. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and I've, I've had discussions about this before, too, but, you know, just in terms of, like, his star and his star status, I, he is just, like, a different kind of guy. Like, he's not, he's kind of, like, uh, not underground, but, like, the intelligent NBA fan's favorite player, not necessarily, like, the mainstream. He just doesn't have, like... The you know you don't see like oh my god his crossover like posted on Facebook a hundred times or like lol his commercial is hilarious you know it's on my Twitter feed everywhere you know what I'm saying like he doesn't have it's not necessarily out there in that same way and I don't think I think part of that is just his personality like I think he's just he just wants to play basketball and like you know he he wants to win and he wants to get paid and he wants to live his normal life and he's not not necessarily out there sort of pushing his personal brand or what have you. It's such a gross thing to talk about, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's true, like when you compare him to some of these other guys that are like way more out there. No, I think that conversation is relevant on this topic, right? When we're talking about fan voting. <laughs> Something as irrational yeah, as a totally. fan vote, right? As retweets and and you know, like we're not talking about actual something that honestly really kinda matters. It's just one big glorified popularity contest. And how do you become the most popular in that context? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so that ties into my next topic. So, John, because I think you mentioned about the marketing failures compared to Kyrie and to John Wall. John Wall has has recently fired his agent Dan Fagan. Uh, there's rumors that he had signed with a bronze agent. I don't know the validity of that for sure yet. I don't know if that's been confirmed. Uh, I think that I saw this coming. There was an article written 
a really detailed piece about John Wall's fallout with Adidas. John Wall had sneakily started wearing Nikes in the games, even though he has an Adidas shoe. Even also, my local Modell sporting goods store has John Wall and Adidas above the cash register, which I was really impressed to see. And then I, I was really pumped to see John Wall in any capacity of sporting goods store with an Adidas right. side. And then I read that article uh, like two days later, and I was depressed. I was like, gosh, he's not even. <laughs> and he's, now he's wearing Nikes. The article is a really good article. It goes into the details. I know that you know the shoe game uh, just as well as anyone. His shoe, let's just start. So Wall's contract, for the details for the people, so Wall's contract wasn't renewed, essentially, in this yep. negotiating part in the summer, so he's kind of a, a lame duck. And so it usually gets renegotiated before it's up. So now the contract is, is still going on, but now he's just straight up wearing another brand's shoes. There's been a report that he has said that he's doing this because of personal reasons, that the product wasn't good, and I was like, hold on, are you just saying that you don't like your own shoe? It seemed really bizarre. I, I didn't know what was going on, then he fires Then it's, his fires his agent a couple of months later. There's rumors that he potentially would go sign with a Chinese company, which I was against, which we were mentioning earlier in this. Just, just step back and just discuss what really happens on these renegotiations with shoe companies and how this shakes out, and just maybe speak on what you think of John Wall's uh, specific circumstance. Yeah, so the the article that you're referencing um, was on NiceKicks.com by um, Nick DePaula, who who's actually a friend of mine, um, and a lot of the stuff that he wrote in that article, we had he was with me on that San Francisco trip that I mentioned, um, and, and we were just kind of like in the back of a, a charter bus at one point on our way somewhere, and we had a long long talk about this, obviously because you know I'm obviously pretty interested in in John Wall. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you outlined it pretty well. Um, the only thing that I would add is that he's basically free to wear what he ever, wear, well, excuse me, wear whatever he wants basically at this point. Um, but he can't like sign a new deal without Adidas. Well, Adidas has the power to match a new deal until the summer. So nothing's going to happen until the summer. That's number one. Um, and basically, just to sum up what happened, essentially, if you believe, you know what what Nick is reporting, which which I pretty much do, is that you know there was some some level of upsetness uh, from John and or his camp when James Harden got his massive deal this summer, um, and there was a little bit of a back and forth on the money stuff, and and eventually, Adidas just didn't want to pay what John wanted, which is actually Adidas gave him like a pretty generous offer, you know, at the end of this back and forth. Um, and, like, and John what, still, what would be the details of that offer? It just wasn't compared to Harden's or, uh, it was not nearly as much as Harden. I mean, basically like these guys essentially make, um, you know, depending on who it is, like, I'm not sure what, uh, Lillard's deal was, but basically, uh, Adidas upped their sort of initial offer to like five million uh, for John, and he wanted ten, and and they eventually settled somewhere in the middle with, which is more than they pay almost any of their other Adidas guys. So I think I'm not sure exactly what it was. I, I don't have you know access to the exact numbers, but I'm you know it was somewhere between five and ten, which is way more than 
you know, a, a normal guy on your roster would make, even a signature guy on your roster would make. Um, and, and John, for whatever reason, turned that one down too. So, you know, it, it is a really awkward thing though, because he had, I mean, for instance, he was on our, the cover of our kicks magazine, uh, you know, end of the summer with his own signature shoe. Like we were there for the whole launch of his J wall too. And, but now it's like you can barely even find that shoe in Foot Locker because Adidas is basically, I mean, they kind of gave up on caring about it because he's not an Adidas guy anymore. And John was like, all right, well, you know, if, if I don't have to wear it, I'm not going to. Uh, it's just like, it's just strange because wow. a lot of times, you know, that never, that I, I doesn't mean, happen that often, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm not speaking for him. You know, I haven't you know, confirmed this or anything. He really could have a, a Basically, that they're like, essentially Adidas and John Wall are you know not together anymore, and he even though it's incredibly strange, and I don't think I don't know if I've ever seen it before, where a guy has his own signature shoe and he's just basically electing not to wear it, like that is really rare and really weird. Um, but I that to me is essentially what's happening here, and. I mean, the next step I think will be super interesting too because I'm, I mean, Nike I'm sure would, would welcome him in. And especially if, you know, he's going to sign with Rich Paul, I'm sure that's the logical way to go. And I'm sure Nike would be happy to have him, you know, under their wide roster of guys, but they're certainly not going to pay him seven and a half million dollars for, to, to sign him. So he, you know, essentially it comes down to, you know, settling for, a, you know, a much more uh, pedestrian Nike offer and just kind of being settled into Nike and can wear all the Nike product and you're just, you know, kind of set there. Um, you know, would, would he look overseas? I, I think that's less likely if the Rich Paul thing is real um, as far as, like, Chinese brands and stuff just because uh, Rich Paul tends to steer, you know, guys towards Nike. I think 10 of the 11 guys he has are Nike. Um and then, I mean, there's a whole other, I, I guess there could be a reuniting with Adidas, uh, depending on what happens with some of the other players coming up, up in the draft. I mean, I've heard some rumors about, you know, Ben Simmons attracting a ton of attention from Adidas, but he's also sort of been linked to LeBron's agency, which would complicate things since all those guys are Nike. Uh, but, but maybe, maybe Rich Paul, offers, you know, maybe he extends the olive branch and somehow Wall and Simmons end up on Adidas. Um, but but I think the likely is probably just, you know, kind of taking a – I mean, no matter what, the, the, the sad thing is I think that Wall's going to end up taking a, an L here in terms of the money because that the Adidas offered him a, like a pretty generous offer at the end of the day, and for whatever reason, he declined that offer. So – I mean, it'd be hard. I'd be hard to see a scenario where he makes that much money, you know, on his next deal, no matter who he signs with. So, well, it seemed like but it's was, definitely really interesting. I mean, all the sneaker politics stuff is is new. It, it seemed to me that the two things that were striking was was one, the maybe the ill will that James Harden caused all this. That I don't know how much it was emotional or personal, or how much it was business. Where. So you said that he was offered between five and ten. Well, Harden was given what a hundred million. 
Uh, I believe it was two hundred million. It was like two hundred over thirteen years. So, uh, <laughs> so so Joel. Yeah, so year. it's like it's like it's like fifteen. It's like fifteen a year ish. I mean, the numbers aren't like a hundred percent locked in because some of them come with incentives and depend on where you're playing and stuff like that. But yeah, it, so Harden got two hundred over thirteen. So so in another in another stratosphere when it comes. So. So oh, yeah, absolutely. How, so how much do you think that that was emotional and personal, or was this financial, and did Wall's representation make a bad decision? Was Wall was Wall's people the one that told him not to take the deal, and this is why he fired them? Uh, I mean, you know, we now we're kind of getting right? into it. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. So, okay. so, I mean, I've heard conflicting, I've heard Both conflicting sides. opinions about who said what. Um, and I'm not close enough to it to, to, to make a call. But, yeah. yeah, someone, whether it was directly from John or from his people at that time over the summer, someone wanted so, more. And I think foolishly, actually, because he's just not on that level. Even if Adidas did severely overpay for James Harden, John is still, at least in terms of purely selling sneakers, is nowhere near that level. And that's my second point. My second point was that the reason I felt whether it was John, whether it was John's people or who really messed up because someone eventually messed up was that where was the leverage here? It seemed like they had no leverage because of one thing that it seemed like your leverage is gone once you don't like once you're like this is done the year before because once you write out your contract, you have no real leverage. It seemed like the leverage is when the contract is almost up, right? It seemed like that was kind of when you have more leverage, where you can negotiate with other people and they can match. Second of all, it seemed that uh, of that point is the one you just made, that Wall really has never really moved the needle on these things. So so it seemed like he was already getting a good deal considering he's not really a, a guy that everyone's not going, oh, I mean, do you have the new John Walls? Or... Do you right. have, you know, does he have the Instagram followers like the other people, which another, the, does he have the personal brand? Is he, does he have the Uncle Drew commercials? You know, has he had clever marketing around him? And I just really haven't seen that. I barely even see it in Washington, D.C., and so maybe this is just anecdotal, but I think the one a guy in that article, your buddy in that article, really made that point. He really kind of detailed about how John Wall just hasn't been a successful brand for Adidas, so it seemed like his people really overplayed their hand a little bit. Or a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think uh, in a weird way, like, for his diehard fans, I think that part of why people love John Wall, um, I mean, at least, like, in my opinion, is, you know, I feel like, you know, he would go play in Timberlands. Like, he doesn't care. He would, you know what I'm saying? He would still bust ass. Like, he, I just don't think that, like, sneakers are a huge deal to him, at least to play in. Like, he would play in bricks and still do exactly what he does now. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's super into like sort of playing the game of like, you know, the way that a Damian Lillard or Kyrie Irving is sort of really out there pushing them themselves and and their sneakers. And and to like I said, like to his diehard fans, I think that's part of why they love him. He's more in the mold of like a Derrick Rose in that sense. But Derrick Rose has a unbelievable following still i mean he was on that list of of the highest selling jerseys that came out today which is crazy if you consider where he is in sort of the he's been injured for the last three years right 
Exactly, exactly. But, you know, he cemented, like, Derrick Rose cemented his sort of status and fan base. And, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't move sneakers the way he once did, but he definitely still moves sneakers, period, like internationally and in Chicago and certain pockets. So, um, you know, I don't know where that leaves, John, but uh, it would be very interesting to see sort of how this plays out over the you know next six months or so. Well, that's my question. If you were advising John or his camp, does he go with the – would you advise him to take the Nike deal, whatever the number – you know, set aside the numbers or go with a Chinese company, take a risk with the Chinese company where he's at in his career? Uh, I mean, it, I what's, think it all what's the pluses, kind of what's the pluses and minuses for both of us, I guess, too? I mean, I think I think the obvious plus to going with a Chinese brand would would be a bigger check. Uh, I think the obvious plus to going with you know, for instance, a Nike is you kind of know what kind of product you're getting, and you're sort of locked in and in the family, and you're you're good. But you won't be getting, you know, you won't be getting a huge net profit from your sneaker deal. So I mean, I I think at this point. I'll just sort of go back to the drawing, draw, or just go back to the table and just be like, "All right, what are you like comfortable with doing?" We obviously made sort of a misstep, or or maybe he just hated Adidas. Maybe he hated the relationship with Adidas and playing it. I don't think so. Because I was around, I, you know, I had a couple of chances to be around him and and some Adidas people at a couple of these shoots, and I mean, everything seemed to be fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. Uh, I'm sure at some point we'll find out exactly what happened, you know, whose decision it was or whatever. Um, but I think it's just all about whatever you're comfortable with right now. And if your most comfortable thing is I want to get a big check from a Chinese brand and go for that. Like I said, I don't think, I don't think that I think John would play in whatever shoes you gave him. So, um, and I think he's kind of unique in that way. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just as curious as the next person to see where, where this goes. Yeah, it's it's just really bizarre to see John Wall have a sneak, a signature shoe and, and these pictures of him lacing up Nikes, <laughs> playing games with Nikes. It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely super, super Like, strange. hey, buy the, buy the DC Cherry yeah. Blossom John Walls, and then you go watch him, and he's wearing Jordans. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he's been wearing Jordan. I think he's been it's, wearing Kobe's. It's absolutely. <laughs> I think yeah, he's been wearing, and he wore some LeBrons too recently. Yeah, he wore the LeBrons the other day. I didn't, I didn't see what he wore for the MLK Day, but I saw that piece as well. But I know I'm, t- I'm taking too much of your time, but I'm going to get you on two more, two more topics before we leave. Yeah, sure. The uh, KD to DC. Uh, you know, you're a fan. This is the question that I basically have asked almost on every podcast. Not everyone. But it is becoming more and more relevant as we move into 2016 because, you know, the decision will be actually made uh, this year. I'll just leave the floor to you without even – what do you think, KD to DC? <laughs> I'm not even going to ask any questions, just just the topic. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I'll, I'll keep my comments short. But basically, you know, do I think that there is an interest from Kevin Durant? Absolutely. Do I think that – the Wizards front office is properly equipped to pitch him and make the kind of ballsy moves that would have to happen to bring him to DC. Absolutely not. And that's just maybe that me being too pessimistic on the situation, but I just don't have a lot of faith in the way that, um, you know, Ernie and company have 
run this team since I've been a fan of the team that they'll be able to go into a meeting and, you know, Ernie with that boring voice. And I just don't know what he's going to say to Kevin Durant that Kevin will get Kevin Durant jacked up to come to D.C., which is unfortunate because I actually genuinely think that he has a real interest in coming. I just I, – I, I have a really hard time envisioning it happening. Well, don't you think Ted Leonsis will hire like a motivational speaker to, to make this sell? <laughs> I, I, I would hire whoever they need to hire to do it. I'm all in on doing it. I just don't have a lot of confidence that – I mean, I, I don't know. Do you do you think that he'll walk into a meeting and be like, wow, I was really impressed by Ernie Goldfeld's pitch. Now I'm going to go to like Mark Cuban or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around – the Wizards front office, like building some amazing, I don't know. It just presentation. Maybe, am I, yeah. Am, am I being too pessimistic or I, I don't, I just feel like, and it's just the fact that like other teams, you know, make these like aggressive, like, you know, we're out here making this move and the Wizards seem to just tinker away a lot. Uh, yes, I, I think uh, being a Wizards fan, we, 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 we have pessimism for, for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I understand your, uh, your concern on that end. And yeah, I don't know how much Ernie could, could sell me much. Uh, probably, probably not. I, I, I have more faith in John Wall's selling skills. And, and maybe Bradley, Bradley Bill's, Bradley Bill's selling skills than I, than I do. I our, do think- yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I just wanted to add one quick point, um, separate from those points, which is that, um, and this actually was something that John Wall told me in one of our conversations um, before the season. Like, you know how a lot of people say, like, oh, like these guys don't want to go home because it's just too complicated. They got to get like five hundred tickets every night, or you know, it's just too complicated to be in your home city. And I sort of brought that up to John, and, and he basically said, like. Actually, like in his opinion, it might be easier because you have like your boys there or whoever's your, your, your guys, your family, your team, and you kind of just assign them to deal with all of that stuff from the tickets to like, you know, your appearances or keeping people away from you, whatever. You kind of have your whole team is already, your infrastructure is already in place to like deal with that and you kind of just get to be home. So I, I just thought that was interesting coming from an NBA player to make that point because we always assume that you know coming home super super complicated and maybe too much of a hassle but he didn't seem to see it that way at least that, that, that's an interesting angle because that's usually one of the when i discuss this topic that's usually one of the arguments that comes up and and you're basically saying john kind of mentioned well i'm in i have yeah maybe you're saying that i have more people i know so that will be a more of a distraction but john is saying i have more people i know that will insulate me more from the distractions and that's that's a very curious, very curious take. Essentially, on that. yeah. And you, yeah, I thought it was interesting because I sort of always thought the opposite, like you said. And then to hear that, you know, but we rarely hear the NBA guys talk about that. So for him to say that, I thought was was interesting to know at least. See, I just come down to I'd rather live in uh, Washington D.C. than Oklahoma. <laughs> that, that's that's my rent. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then every single. 
NBA player would li- would play for the Clippers and Lakers because I know they'd all <laughs> rather live in LA than anywhere else. Oh, uh, John Wall, I think, wants to live in LA all the time. Isn't it funny when they, whenever a team plays the Lakers or Clippers, if you go on their Twitter or Instagram, like they're just like talking about how awesome LA is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. they always share some like photo of them eating chicken at, at Roscoe's or, or like, you know, a palm tree. Yep. And it's like, they have nothing on their Instagram except for that. It's pretty funny. Uh, so you, you, that's, you, why the, that's why the Lakers are going to end up with, you know, all these free agents, even though they're God awful. <laughs> yes, that is true. Do you, so in your feeling of Kevin Durant, do you think fans should, how do you think they should feel about Kevin Durant? Is this one thing I should hope he comes? If he doesn't come, we got John Wall. You know, we have another future, or is it just like put all our eggs in the basket and they should be crushed if he doesn't come? No, I mean, obviously, I think you should be excited for the possibility and definitely root for it to happen. Obviously, he's one of the best players in our game today, but you got to, A, prepare for it not happening, and B, still still have confidence in the, in the team that we do have and hopefully, you know, you know make another move this summer, get another young guy to the draft, whatever, you know, keep building. I mean, John Wall to me is definitely like one of the franchise pieces in the NBA and build around him. If, if Kevin Durant happens to show up, it would obviously be a dream come true for, for all of us, but I think you got to kind of hedge your bets here because I'm not sure that the chances of it realistically happening are very high. How, so the whole KD to DC movement, that is out there. That is legitimate, and the, and the behavior that happens in the stands. I, right. I'm, I'm lukewarm on all of it. I'm okay with it. Some, some have mm-hmm. some people that are not. Do you think that? And some people are are part of the movement. I know as well. Do you think that that pushes him away in any capacity? Because he said a bizarre quote about how you should just cheer for your own team and not worry about me. And I don't know if that was just Kevin Durant being candid, because I don't know if that really comes down to it. How much does he maybe? Is this KDDC movement pushing him away, or does it have no effect at all? I'm not sure that it has much of an effect at all, to be honest with you, just because, and and we all make the mistake, obviously, of parsing these guys every single word. And, you know, one thing, like one thing I've learned um, just from, from working in and around basketball is, like, these guys do answer questions and do media literally almost 24-7. Like, every single thing they do, they're at shoot-around, they have media, they're at practice, media, they're at before the game, after the game, they're sneaker events, they're, you know, he has, KD has his underwear line, he's getting asked about it, you know what I mean? So, like, there's so many opportunities to, you know, interpret his words in different ways and stuff, and I think for the most part... They're kind of on autopilot answering the questions, so I, I wouldn't rely too heavily on any particular quote that he's given. Um, but I also just think that these, you know, we think these guys see so much of this, and of course he's seen it before; he's aware of it. But I just don't, I don't think he's like inundated with thinking about the KD to DC movement. So I, I guess I'm kind of like you, like I, I'm okay with with the idea. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to tell any fan not to root for a great player to, to come to their team, um, especially one that's that's from the area. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure that, that he's getting as much of it as we think he's getting, basically. How do, how do you see this playing out? So if the Thunder win a title, is he does he then leave them? If the Thunder don't win a title, does he stay and try to get one or vice versa? 
Or, or, I mean, does, or does he sign a one-year deal and we do this all over again in 2017, which has seemed to be more of the mainstream thought more these days? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. That That is like the mainstream thought. I mean, I think obviously a lot of it has to do with, and we'll find out pretty soon this summer and potentially next, like you said, we'll find out a lot about how he feels about Westbrook and how he feels about Billy Donovan. I mean, I thought that was a pretty risky move by the Thunder to, to go with a guy who's never coached in the, in the NBA before to be their coach, but okay. We'll, we'll, in the most important year, basically, of your of your franchise. And they give but, Edith Canner max money, too. I thought that was puzzling. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I do think, though, that whenever, whether it's this summer or he delays it until next summer, I think that Kevin Durant will absolutely, you know, take his time look at all his options, you know what I'm saying? I don't think he'll kind of instantly re-sign. I think he'll enjoy being a free agent, really think about it, really assess his relationships with the key people in OKC. Um, I just think he's shrewd enough to sort of give it all, you know, due diligence and and sort of see what's out there and what the best options are for him. Yeah, Howard Beck recently said on Zach Lowe's podcast that a team executive, a higher-up team executive, said that there's no chance that Kevin Durant ever goes and plays for D.C. Just want to throw that out there for the people. Uh, and second, do you, you know, which Howard Beck's responsible, reputable journalist, how much they sure. know, how, how, how much they know the mind of Kevin Durant, some executive does, I don't, I don't really know. Right. <laughs> do you, what do you think this will be in Kevin Durant's decision? Will is it about just playing with with Russell Westbrook the rest of his life, or is there another team? Is it really just his home or or Oklahoma City, or is do you see Kevin Durant from what you have observed wanting to play really anywhere else like Brooklyn or or LA? Are those just pipe dreams? I think Miami might have enough money for a run as well. Well. Brook, I mean, if he, I, there's no, I mean, just from being in Brooklyn, I, I mean, I hope he doesn't have any thoughts of being in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just the most desolate, just the most desolate. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool because of living in New York, but man, is that just like a desolate franchise and arena? Um, so I hope that's not in the running. But like I said, I mean, obviously a lot can change in the entire NBA landscape in in six months or eighteen months, whenever his true free agency will be happening. And like I said, I just think that he's smart enough to, to take all the meetings, um, you know, like, like LeBron did during his big free agency summer. Um, you know, whether even no matter how unrealistic some of them might be, I mean, he's not going to meet with like the Milwaukee bucks, but you know, if my, if Miami wants to sit down or Houston wants to sit down, I mean, it, I think yeah, Houston, people forget Houston might be the other one too. I guess he's very close with James Harden to this day. Like, I, I mean, just in talking to people close to Harden, especially, um, it sounds like those guys are talk like all the time. Now, does that translate into making a huge decision for your career like that? I don't know, but I'm just saying that you know, I, I think that he'll take four or five sit downs, Wizards included. Um, and there will that will be a super stressful summer for all of us. <laughs> I'm stressed out right now. You talking about it? <laughs> I know, I know. But but then again, I mean, I'm just spitballing. I don't know anything. I don't know Kevin Durant at all. I don't know anything about 
his plans. For all I know, he could re-sign in the middle of the night one night and, and be in OKC forever. So this is, I mean, this is 100% speculation. Just, just my my opinion on how it'll play out. So, well, Abe, this is what you do on podcasts. You speculate, <laughs> uh, and, and and this topic doesn't go away. And I, and I always have to get people's different takes on it because it's it's ever evolving. I never profess to have the right answers. I never judge anyone for getting excited that like you like you said to have the best player in the world come home and exactly. play. Like that'd be yeah. the most the most crazy thing ever. I did have Ivan Carter make an interesting point to me on a previous podcast and he said that think about if he brings the title home. He brings the sports championship to his home, you know, they'll put statues up of him. But think if he doesn't it and if he comes home and doesn't win the championship, what would that be like? I was like, damn, I didn't think of it that way. I didn't yeah. think of like like the pressure of the opposite way, right? Like, is right, that something right. you think about? Like, we're just all happy to get here. Oh man, if you don't win it, dog, it's good. We're gonna win five, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and then you're like, wow. I mean, think about like you now, you know, because if he doesn't win for Oklahoma, this is still his home, right? He still can, right. could come home if he goes to LA and. People will get over. There's people, you know, they'll still love him down at the farm. He's still going to be the man, right? Like, like yep. he's still going to be the man no matter what. But if he comes home and now he doesn't win it and all the media, you know, I don't know. I mean, he could be an RG3 or maybe look to see what RG3, what happened to him. And, you know, that's, a, I think, a third RG3 reference on this podcast. But <laughs> or something like that who wasn't from here but, you know, would it maybe had that pressure uh, a little bit. And injuries obviously had something to play in that whole comparison is not as much, but you saw how he kind of was running out of town by the media and the coaching when things went bad. Uh, so, you know, maybe that has a little bit to play. I mean, obviously injuries had a lot to play with RG3 and a little bad performance or coming back from injuries. But yeah, it'll be interesting, man. I, I, I you know, I hope, I think it'd be a good thing to talk about. We, I've taken way too much of your time. One last point before we go, just outlook of the Wiz season. What are you looking to see for the rest of the year? Uh, I mean, hopefully get everybody healthy, get everybody, you know, ready to roll, including guys who haven't even played yet, you know, the Alan Anderson of the world. Um, but, you know, I was just kind of perusing the standings. I mean, there's going to, in my mind, there's going to end up being sort of four four teams fighting for two spots here um, in the Eastern Conference because I don't, I don't see any of the top six teams right now falling out of the playoffs, so... Uh, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle for sure, based on what the Wizards have sort of dug themselves a hole for now. But I think they, that they'll make the playoffs. Um, I just think that you know, like it's kind of like what you said earlier on uh, in our discussion. Like John Wall is healthy. This is a playoff team, so you know, I think he makes enough of a difference uh, to get them back over five hundred to to edge out some of these teams. But I, like I said, I think it comes down to Pistons, Celtics, Knicks, and Wizards really battling it out for, for the last two spots. And, and I mean, you don't want to be disappointed before it even happens, but, I mean, I'm not sure that getting a 7 or 8 seed is exactly where the Wizards saw themselves, you know, at the beginning of the year. So, I don't know, man. So you, you, so you think I, like seven, I said, you think 7 seed is, is the uh... – the sky. I mean, can they get to the fifth or sixth or fourth, or do you feel like just I mean, the lower? I just have the lower part. Of I the just stadiums. have a hard time. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I just have, I just have a hard time. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing them, them playing so well that they, you know, end up passing the, the. I mean, I guess I could see the Pacers falling off a little bit, but I don't know that. The, I think the teams like the Heat are just 
good enough regular season team that they'll hold them off. Um, it's obviously so, so, so early, uh, but just I don't have a lot of confidence from, the, from what I've seen so far. And uh, I think settling right there kind of in that seventh seed would, would be where the Wiz will end up. And, and the good, I mean, to some people that might even be mystic based on what we've seen so far. But like I said, I think I think a team with, with John Wall healthy, you know, should be able to, to be in the playoffs. And then you kind of take it from there. As long as you're not the eighth seed playing the Cavs, I think you can still feel somewhat optimistic in a playoff series. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Beal comes back. You got, you got a healthy Nene for playoffs. And you may be a healthy Allen Anderson. You have some death, death going on. I think you know they have a shot pretty much against anyone, maybe aside from from Cleveland. The other good part about this, the the Wizards, they have yet to play the Sixers, and I think they have two more, two or three more games left with the Nets. So there should be some padding of the schedule, even though the Sixers look, look pretty tight with Ishmith, though. So I shouldn't speak too soon. But but the schedule gets a lot <laughs> lot easier, and and I'm just hoping with the combinations of of the injuries, getting maybe a set rotation there for a few weeks, uh, and playing a little bit of easier schedule that there can this team can build on some momentum. But I don't know how much of that is just hopeful optimism, and and does this all come crashing down in a, in another month? I don't know. There's your pessimistic take. That's why you're a Wizards fan, and you're listening to a, a monster <laughs> podcast. But but hey, man, it took you so, too much. I know you got things to do. I, I got I got some stuff going on too. But hey, man, I really appreciate it. It's awesome to have you. It was a really good discussion. Uh, and do, let the people know uh, where to find you and what you got going on uh, in your in your future for your slam stuff. Oh yeah, I mean everyone, you know, obviously go go get the new Slam uh, on newsstands right now. Follow uh, you know Slam online on Instagram and Twitter, and if you want to find me uh, on both of those as well, you can find me at Abe underscore Squad. Um, you know, I'll probably be retweeting this from from Adam, so you can find me that way as well. <laughs> um, yeah, man, thank you so much for 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 having me. Uh, Happy to do it anytime, man. Hopefully, the next time we talk, it'll be a little happier. A little happier at least on stuff. the Wizards part of it. I know. I, I was saying, yeah. I just did a podcast yesterday. Every time I do a podcast, it, the ones after the victories fall through, but the ones after the, the losses don't. I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying not to do a podcast <laughs> all about negative. I, I'm trying to do some positive pixels, but uh, but yeah, dude. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your work, and uh, I uh, uh, love, love that you took some time to uh, talk some talk some hoops, and definitely will. We'll hook up in the future. That uh, you know, follow Abe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, hopefully, we'll do some podcasts with this, this snowstorm. Maybe I'll get Kyle's lazy ass to finally uh, uh, get on get on the Skype machine with me. But thank you so much for your support and everyone. And as always, uh, go with.